Welcome to the Seek First podcast with Steve and Jordan. This is a podcast about seeking first the kingdom of God where we work, live, and play. The content of each podcast will correspond to the current sermon series at Ontario Christian Church, current events that rise up, and also to the church calendar. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to episode 10 of the Seek First podcast with Steve and Jordan. Um, We hope you guys are doing well today as you give this a listen. We talked last week about when and how Satan hinders us, and we were kind of in 1 Peter 5, and we jumped to John chapter 8 a little bit as well, and a couple other scriptures. Um, Today we're going to be talking about um, God opposing the proud, and what happens when a God seems to put up roadblocks in our lives to kind of get rid of our sin, to to kind of deal with our pride. So that's where we're going, but before there, I just want to draw your attention, before we go there, to a man named Tertullian, who was an early church father, who probably rolled over in his grave last week because I attributed one of his quotes uh, to somebody else. And so Tertullian, if you ever listen to this, I'm sorry. Um, that That quote of the blood of martyrs is seed was not Ignatius, it was Tertullian. So I just wanted to take the chance to own that and say it's okay to be human. And we can avoid a lawsuit. That's true. Yes. Yes. From the grave. From so. the grave. <laughs> That's great. All right. And on that note, let us jump to First Peter chapter 5. Again, we talked last week. I briefly covered this passage in regards to Peter's commentary in verse 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Seeking someone to devour, and he goes on to say, resist him, and um, standing firm in your faith, the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. But preceding this passage um, is a couple scriptures that we wanted to draw our attention to, and what happens when, when God is in opposition to us, or um, trying to put a roadblock. And uh, at the end of verse 5 in chapter 5 is a phrase that is repeated a few times throughout the scriptures, uh, you may remember it from James. I think we covered it recently. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And then in verse 6, he says, in light of that, basically, he's saying, uh, because of that, humble yourselves, therefore. And remember, anytime we see therefore in the scriptures, it's there for a reason. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And Steve, you want to open us up on some commentary on that? And what, you know, what is, what is a God opposing the proud look like? Why does God oppose the proud or whatever direction is you were looking to take it? Yeah. So I was thinking about that last week's definition, which I did not pull back up for this podcast, but talking about uh, a hindrance uh, that Satan does is cutting a trench between he and the advancing foe. Right? So in this case, um, if we were to take some of that definition, <clears throat> excuse me, into consideration in regards to God opposing us, uh, he's doing the same thing. He's cutting off our path that we would have to uh, continue to increase our own pride, our own ego, all those kinds of things. And he's kind of cutting the trench for our sake as well as his name's sake and as well as for others. <clears throat> so thinking about how God does oppose us when we begin to build our own kingdom, begin to build our own 
um, life apart from him that would lift ourselves up and not his name, nor also not lifting others up as well. That God goes against us in that. Like when we try to elevate self above others or above him, it's idolatry, right? And so mm-hmm. God begins to oppose us for, for our own good. So <clears throat> it says God opposes, so he comes against us, he resists us, uh, our own pursuit of self opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so we have two different pictures of what God is up to in this moment, giving grace to those who <clears throat> are walking humbly in the sight of God and man, um, so that we obviously grow even more humble. And I think you had a quote that you were going to say about humility. like, Yeah, it's. <clears throat> um, I remember this learning this in high school, that God, I mean, the, the conviction behind it is that God is going to have his way um, in us becoming humble people. And so we can either A, humble ourselves, or B, be humbled. <clears throat> that was the... Yeah, it's helpful. Uh, God loves us enough to humble us, uh, to get us out of us right mm-hmm. in that moment. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so maybe even just to kind of reframe it in the definition, uh, the advancing foe um, in, in the, the conversation of the hindrance could be um, our pride or the parts of us that are still being sanctified. Um, and God is very serious about getting us out of us. Absolutely. We get the picture from Israel, even when they were wandering in the wilderness, that God was working you know, them out of them in that wandering. And I think the same thing can be true for us. Uh, through this. Very good point. And then the next verse says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And so the reality is that uh, we have something to do here. Um, we have to fall to our knees, humbling ourselves, uh, getting rid of our own advancement of what we would desire to do, st- ceasing from our own pleasure or whatever it is that, that we're elevating about our <clears throat> own view of self, and instead consider our view in regards to um, how God views us, and really we're not much there, but God takes us, makes us new. Uh, but I find it interesting as you continue to read, it says, so that all, so that at the proper time, rather, he may exalt you. So God's desire is to lift us up, but it's only after we humble ourselves, humble our hearts, and humble, humble our lives before God. Uh, and it's interesting, he goes on, it says, casting all your anxieties on him, which I think is like, if you took that if you're just reading this thing, you'd be like, why is that in there? Like, why mm-hmm. cast, what does anxiety have to do with pride? Uh, but I, what I've found with my own life and also speaking with a lot of people throughout the years is oftentimes anxiety is present because we're trying to lift something up and keep from God or that we feel it's a control issue sometimes. Like um, mm-hmm. managing how people are perceiving us, keeping all those things in order so that we can kind of control um, how people look at us. And so... We have to keep this face on all the time. And so doing that gets exhausting and creates anxiety sometimes because we're trying to make sure that uh, we're seen in a certain way and, and kind of have to manipulate things to make people see us that way or whatever. It can't be real or vulnerable. Um, and I, I want to be cautious and continue to say sometimes, uh, but anxiety can be uh, a fruit of that mm-hmm. that continual process of trying to keep face, save face all the time. So he reminds us we need to cast our care, cast our anxiety on God. Uh, stop trying to keep saving face. 
and trust that God's a good God in the midst of all this and that we need to uh, humble ourselves before him, casting all your anxieties mm-hmm. on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. We've had this word over and over again throughout the scriptures in the time we've done our podcast even. Be watchful. And then you already quoted this about the fact that the enemy is also uh, works in us in our pride um, and kind of distracts us from walking in a way in the ways of God um, instead. So that was kind of what I wanted to cover there. Um, and then, of course, towards the end of this whole passage. But I, before I get to the end of the passage, was there anything that you had insight on in this specific section that uh, Peter writes? Yeah, um, just another comment on the, you know, casting all your anxieties on him. Like you said, it's like, why is this here? And you pointing out that at times uh, pride and the need to present ourselves in a certain light or project a certain image to satisfy a certain type of person um, and to hold that up. And it's like living a lie mm-hmm. over and over and over again. That's exhausting because yeah. we're not living in reality. And again, that's that's living in the lies that Satan likes to sow. Um, and I think, as you said, just to emphasize, you said sometimes this is the cause of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Not all anxiety is rooted in this, but Correct. sometimes this kind of pride can lead to us feeling anxious. Absolutely. Um, yep. Yeah. It's good clarification. Um If we were to continue to read, and I'm going to skip the part that you already read. We covered that a lot last week. Uh, But towards the end of this, um, let's see here. Verse 10, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion, the rule and reign forever and ever. Amen. We're going to probably come back to this text after this next scripture that we look at. But being mindful of the fact that when we humble ourselves before God, uh, God, the scriptures just said God lifts us up, right? And so in that process, we're called to his eternal glory in Christ, not ourselves, not our own glory, not trying to establish ourselves to be something that we're not. It's the glory of Christ that is the reason that we live and, and move and have our being and have our way. And then what Jesus does, what God does for us is he restores us, he confirms us, he strengthens us, and he establishes us through the Spirit of the Lord dwelling within us in his word, of course. So keeping that in mind, there is nothing to lose by humbling yourself. And I think that's the battle within us is sometimes we think to ourselves, yeah, but if I humble myself, then everybody's going to railroad me or just take advantage of me. And all these types of things, or or maybe I won't be able to control how people perceive me all of a sudden, and I'll have to like be real for once, or whatever it may be. But actually, when we humble ourselves, then God comes along and He restores us, gives us more than we deserve or would ever earn in our own strength. He confirms us. He says He gives us that rightful place, not because we deserve it, but because He paid for it. He strengthens us, so He gives us the ability to walk in life and newness, uh, to be lifted. It, strengthen your feeble knees, right? And so that's what God does for us, and he establishes us. He puts us on a firm foundation and allows us to live in a new identity, a new uh, as new beings with a new perspective, not trying to elevate ourselves, but uh, elevating the kingdom of God because it says, to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Understand that he has rule and reign over my life. His will will be done, whether I, you know, no matter what I want, his will will be done. So do I submit to his will? Or do I try to create a different path that makes me happy? Um, and so God, God's will will be done. The question is, am I going to go along with it? Mm-hmm. You know, and will I allow him to do the work he wants to do in me to establish his rule and reign in my own heart? 
and therefore impact the lives of others? Or will I try to have my own rule and reign of my life and make a mess of things? And so I know there's another scripture. Do you have any other thoughts before we jump to that other scripture? Yeah, I guess just uh, additional commentary on some of the things you just said. Um, we, we fear humbling ourselves because we think we're subjecting ourselves to things out of control, out yeah. of our control. Yeah. When in reality, the reason God opposes the proud is because, as you said, he loves us mm-hmm. so much, and that humility is actually the path to freedom. Mm-hmm. We are enslaved in our pride. We are enslaved in our uh, thinking that we're controlling other people's perceptions of us or that we're controlling uh, this or that thing in my life, when in reality, like, humility is the path to freedom. Mm-hmm. Because you're free from the need to project yourself in a certain way, free from the need to control, and free to live and serve in God's kingdom, um, trusting Him as our Father to provide our needs and to exalt us at the proper time. Absolutely. Yeah. That's helpful. I think, like, even that applies to the story we're going to read next uh, out of Daniel 4. And so King Nebuchadnezzar is ruling over Babylon, and he has this really wonky dream that we're not going to, read the passage of, but kind of like how it gets interpreted and what, what ends up happening. But just a part of it, he says, he saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed and behold, a watcher, a holy one came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said, thus chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts. Let his mind be changed from a man and let a beast's mind be given to him and let seven periods of time pass over him. And so he has this vision about this man being basically stuck in, uh, these things, he being stuck and wet with the dew of heaven, the portion of the beast being like he's got to eat grass. Mm-hmm. His mind changed from a man's to a beast's. And uh, he goes to Daniel and is like, at the end, in verse 18, this dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, O Belteshazzar, that was uh, Daniel, he says, Tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Um, And then Daniel goes on to interpret it, and he ends it by saying, verse 24, This is the interpretation, O king. Is it a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king, that you shall be driven from among men, and that your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field? You shall be made to eat grass, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness. Repent is what he's saying, and Mm -hmm. your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. He's basically saying, uh, act how other kings don't. Act in the right way. And to keep going, it says, All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the twelve months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, and this is where his pride is just getting him, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal regist, residence and for the glory of my majesty Mm. while the words were still just hear him boasting of Mm -hmm, himself mm -hmm. and what he's done and what his hands have done and his glory uh, yeah his mighty power Mm -hmm. his royal his majesty 
While the words were still in king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O king Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling place shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know, until you know, like God is doing this, until you know mm-hmm. the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. Mm. I mean, just this narrative, Steve, you want to go ahead and give some of your commentary on it and just God God driving him out until you know that the most high rules and just the opposition to the proud and all that is at work here. Yeah, he was basically... um, he, he admits and confesses that he was building his own kingdom. Like he wasn't, he wasn't building a kingdom for God. He's building a kingdom for himself, which makes sense. He was a pagan God, uh, but he was, he had uh, Israelites and Jews around him that were trying to give him the truth. And Daniel specifically trying to speak the truth into him directly word from God to him. And God's chasing after Nebuchadnezzar's heart is what's happening here um, for mm. Nebuchadnezzar's good, in his, uh, goodness, like for his sake, but also for God's people's sake. And so God is dealing uh, rather heavily handed with Nebuchadnezzar in this point, but it's for the point of repentance, for the point of change. Um, and so it's it's neat to see how God's calling out uh, to him and directly uh, impacting Nebuchadnezzar's life in this moment because Nebuchadnezzar is trying to build his own kingdom, his own ways. Uh, and I was thinking of like the Tower of Babel is the same thing. Like they're mm-hmm. building the Tower of Babel to make a name for themselves is what the scriptures say. Mm-hmm. And God has to confuse everybody and do all these things. Why? For their sake, ultimately. And so he's doing the same thing with Nebuchadnezzar here. He's trying to call him back into uh, acknowledging that the reign that he has is because God gift, gave it to him. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to get back to Nebuchadnezzar's heart and to let him know that he is who he says he is, that being God. And it, God's going to get the glory. It's going to be his kingdom in the end. And so uh, God is trying to get his attention once again uh, to establish who it is that um, has actually created this kingdom that, that Nebuchadnezzar even has. He's a pagan pagan king, mm-hmm. and God's still chasing after him, which I'm grateful for because... We would be considered pagan and dogs as well when it comes yeah. to, you know, we're not Israelites. Uh, and yet God pursued us in a very similar fashion for uh, to get us, our own pride out of us as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be a, the initial thoughts I have about Nebuchadnezzar. Anything you have to jump in here as well? Yeah, I think it might be fair, and correct me if I'm wrong, but God's opposition to the proud can at times be his pursuit of the proud. Absolutely. You, know? yep. you, you kind of said, like, here, uh, God is, yes, after... Um, a form of justice and judgment, but also he's after Nebuchadnezzar's right. heart. And right as on. we'll see, uh, I think in the scripture you're going to read pre or following this passage, that's exactly what happens. Yeah, you want me to pick it up at 34? Yeah, let's go for it. So at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion, that being God's, is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom, that being God's kingdom, endures from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. 
My counselors, my Lord, sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of Heaven, capital K, for all his works are right and his ways are just, Mm -hmm. and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Mm -hmm. I mean, what a beautiful repent. Like, I wish I could even pen those kinds of words. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the way his heart shifts from his own kingdom to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is amazing. Um, so, yeah, any thoughts you have on that part? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> even just on the note of First Peter, and at the proper mm-hmm. time, he mm-hmm. will exalt them. You know, he, he gives his this speech of repentance, and he says, at the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. Mm-hmm. My counselors and my Lord sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Mm-hmm. He humbled himself, or sorry, he was humbled by God. He was pursued by God. And then at the proper time, uh, he was exalted, or uh, God restored his kingdom to him. And also just drawing attention to the very last thing he says he, again, extol and honor the king of heaven for all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Uh, we are going to be humbled. We can either choose to humble ourselves or God will do it. And that is just sticking out to me very clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for our good, others good in his name's sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's his goal. So, yeah. It's, I think it's a really helpful narrative uh, to be mindful of the fact that God is even pursuing Nebuchadnezzar. He, he's going to pursue us. It's just the bottom line, um, and it's uh, for his glory and our, and our good and others' good as well. So uh, grateful for that. Did you have anything else to add in here before I ask the question for the week? I was just thinking about um, in the context of King Nebuchadnezzar, there's a proverb in Proverbs 21, verse 1. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will, and just... God's uh, sovereignty in the midst of all this and his um, his ability to, like God is going to do what God is going to do just to kind of reinforce that. And he did. And the end result was Nebuchadnezzar turning to him, turning away from his pride, um, as you just said, uh, for the glory of God and the good of others. Yeah. So uh, a question I wanted us to consider this week is uh, we're continuing from the message, the last couple messages even, and preparing for the next one coming up, is asking yourself, uh, what role, if any, is pride playing in my current response to the current given situation I find myself in? Uh, what role is pride playing in my current response to, to my current situation? Because um, I, I believe at this point, we gotta, we got to be honest with ourselves. I know you're going to be hitting on Sanctification Sunday. I'm looking forward to hearing that. Uh, but considering, you know, in what aspect is God allowing me to go through some correction from him um, and so that I become more humble, you know, and the, the irony is if you claim to be humble, you, you've broken it. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the only virtue. The moment you acknowledge you have it, you no longer have it. Exactly. So, um, so but we do need to acknowledge our pride. And we need to deal with the fact that to some degrees, um, we all have it, and God's working us out of it, uh, or it out of us, rather. Mm-hmm. And um, and so being gracious uh, and grateful to God that he loves us enough to work some of those things out of us uh, so that we can become uh, the people God he's called us to become uh, for his glory and for his kingdom. And uh, that we have a bad rap as Christians in a lot of ways, but in some ways we've earned it. And mm-hmm. so in this case, um, it's true. Like we've all got our own stuff that we're dealing with and uh, God loves us enough to kind of work that out of us. And um, I'd rather 
uh, I'd rather try to humble myself before the Lord sooner than later so that there's mm-hmm. less to work out of me. And so just asking that question this week, what what role is pride playing in my current situation? How am I responding to people? Um, what am I trying to prop up? What glory am I stealing from God? And uh, just things to consider this week as we prepare our hearts for the next message and as we reflect on the last and uh, just encourage one another. So any closing thoughts? Yeah, just uh, the idea that like God is so patient with us, mm-hmm. but he will also work hard to get us out of us. Mm-hmm. And um, that's all That's all his grace at work. Like he wants to work us out of us and that's because he loves us so much there you go and um it's not a you know it's a it's a weighty thing to consider my sanctification and like the purging of my sin from me and my pride but it's god's one of his greatest acts of love is working us out of us and it's messy and it's lots of deep work and and working it out in community with others but it's a good thing and it's as we'll see in first thessalonians it is the will of the Lord, your sanctification. Absolutely, which will be the next podcast. So we invite you to stay tuned. Uh, share this with your friends if you find it to be helpful or uplifting in any way. Uh, we want to always encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ to continue to submit our walk to Him and grow in our faith. And so stay tuned for next week's podcast where we'll touch on sanctification and godly living. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Seek First podcast with Steve and Jordan. We hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please feel free to reach out to us, as well as any topics you would like us to consider in the weeks to come. We encourage you to continue to seek first the kingdom of God where you work, live, and play. Blessings. Blessings.